Coming up on Telling the Odds, Donald Glover set to return as Lando Calrissian on Disney+. Plus. All future Star Wars movies have been delayed and we get going with an all-out Star Wars character battle royale. All that and more coming up now. Hello everyone, welcome to an episode of Telling the Odds Podcast. Yeah, uh, what episode are we up to? Episode nine. episode 9. Rise of the Podcast. Rise of the Podcast, yeah. We're here, <laughs> we finally made it. Congratulations everyone. We did the whole nine episodes. That's the that's the three trilogies. That's it, that's it for us. We're that's not, it. We're... It's last episode. This is what we're not coming back. Every episode, it's the last episode. <laughs> we're not coming back. Uh, no, yes, no. we will be coming back. Uh, yes, hello everyone. Episode nine. Uh, what's what is the date today? It is uh, uh, Sunday, the twenty sixth of July. Um... I have completely <laughs> forgotten about dates, days, and anything in between from just staying at home all day. When you're inside, nothing like the dates, time <laughs> oh, just slips away. It all melds into one. Exactly. Uh, have you had a yeah. good week, Michael? You've been up to much? Uh, I have had the best week that I can have. So it's <laughs> that's been a, good. It's that's been a good. that's a great answer. Very well done. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, like you said, as 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 productive of a week as you can have when you never leave mm. the house. Um, but the good thing is that uh, Star Wars related stuff has still been circulating outside of yeah. our homes uh, across the sea. Because the world stops it. doesn't mean the Star Wars news stops. No, that's true. Um, uh, so yeah, we've got a little bit of news to get into today. And other than that, we've got a really, really cool, uh, main discussion that we're going to have, which I'm really excited for. Um, we're yeah. going to be having like a sort of who would win, uh, this person or that person picked at random, like random characters, um, in a, a variety of, uh, of again, random settings that we've put into like an electronic wheel. We're going to spin it and see what comes out. And then we're going to have a cool structured debate and, um, hopefully we won't try to, um, <laughs> kill each other yes. by the end <laughs> uh, no, it's actually very exciting for jack and i because we um when we were much younger like in school used to do superhero debates in this very style yeah and so it's really exciting to bring this thing that we really enjoyed when we were younger to our love of star wars and our podcast yeah so, if, we... if you couldn't tell uh michael and i are both incredibly cool so <laughs> we're very cool. we are incredibly cool people um but anyway and yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, regardless... <laughs> yeah, we, we were so cool. We spent our lunch times during high school debating which superhero would win. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and today... Yeah. Uh, okay, now I'm just going to get into the news so we can get past that quickly. Uh, just run into it. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, so like we were just talking about um, in the in the cold open, the first little news bulletin that we have is um, regarding all Star Wars movies and the fact that they've been, uh, up until this point, uh, delayed. So a series yes. of three Star Wars films in the future that were slated for a release in 2022, uh, 23, and 25. Um, I'm not sure if this was supposed to be a, a, a new trilogy or if these were just supposed to be movies that were coming out consecutively to one another. Yeah. But regardless, they have all been delayed. Um, the only film that hasn't been mentioned in this little uh, update by Disney was Taika Waititi's film, which is still scheduled for 2024. Um, interesting. It is interesting because they've already, they've, they already gave themselves a little bit of leeway in terms of the release date, so they don't have to push it back yet. I imagine yeah. they will be doing that pretty pretty soon, I, uh, yeah. I, I, would, I would assume so. Um, I feel like if 2022-23 
and 25 have all been pushed back that's probably a trilogy and like that way that one pushed back it would like push them all back yeah whereas the taika one is probably a standalone therefore they don't need the earlier ones to come out before it for it to do it i feel like that's probably the case in which case if it is a trilogy with the other ones i feel like it's it would probably be the um the ryan johnson one because what other ones are there that's confirmed? Because the Benioff and Weiss one, that that's no longer happening. Look, I look. I, we know that these movies have been announced, and we know that they that we are getting these films in those three uh, year time slots. But we have really no details as to what they are. There's been rumors, like literally Ryan Johnson trilogy and Benioff and Weiss trilogy. They started off as like, yeah, yeah, it's happening, and then they very quickly died off. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's often. I would not be surprised if. The, um, you know, they sort of started to uh, retreat on their whole, like, you know, oh, yes, Ryan Johnson's definitely doing this trilogy because of the backlash that yep. Last Jedi got. Not that not to say that Ryan Johnson is a bad filmmaker, but the thing that, that the thing is, Disney, at the end of the day, is a huge conglomerate company and they need to mm. be taking in not only who they want to employ to make their movies, but, um, you know, public reception, because that is a thing that's going to uh, uh, affect your your box office numbers and just your productivity as a company. So um, the, yeah. the h- hate that Ryan Johnson got, unsanctioned or not, was definitely uh, uh, prevalent when The Last Jedi came out, and that might have given them a little bit of, uh, you know, that it, it might have caused a second thought. And that mm. might have actually been a very similar thing in regards to what happened with Benioff and Weiss, because um, I don't watch... I, I never watched um, Game of Thrones, but um, right. I th- it seems to me sort of uh, yeah. a general consensus that, was that the a very big backlash. Yeah, those. that the last season I, of Game of Thrones really yeah. didn't deliver. So you I know- think definitely that that Disney would have looked at that and made choices because they have already done so previously with Solo. Like when Solo bombed, that was pretty much all of their uh, what's it called? A Star Wars story films cancelled entirely pretty much and so i wouldn't be surprised if they looked at like the last jedi and even rise of skywalker as well and be like well how do we change this trilogy to be to reinvigorate this like enthusiasm for star wars that seemingly they lost but i don't know i think i think as long as they just do something new and exciting that we haven't seen before I, I feel like I'd be ready. I'd be happy to watch with Eva. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And like, you know, these are the movies, like, you know, uh, mm. something that, uh, you know, uh, Disney and, you know, Star Wars has definitely been pushing forward is the uh, the concept of the, of the Disney Plus uh, series is that, uh, yeah. uh, you know, Mandalorian we already have and season two of the Mandalorian is progressing, um, you know, productively to my, to my knowledge. And obviously we have yeah, the confirmed one. Kenobi series, but that has again sort of been pushed back, but that was... Uh, right, lots of focus on the, the TV series. Yeah. So we still have these Disney Plus series uh, coming our way, and that's what the next piece of news is going to focus on. But in regards Mm. to the movies, um, you know, obviously, you know, they've been pushed back because of, you know, the current health crisis with COVID, but it may also allude to Disney's intentions to slow down their slate of Star Wars films, as it is well known that at this point, uh, around the time that Last Jedi came out and then releasing Solo only six months after, they really developed, you know, what can only be... um, you know, translated to Star Wars fatigue in a way that they felt that they rushed the slate of films we had already seen from Force yeah, Awakens so, to Rise of Skywalker. Like, you know... Uh... And kind of the opposite problem with Solo to Rise of Skywalker where there was, like, from a six-month break to an 18-month break where everyone just had forgotten about Star Wars after they'd been, like, burned out with it from Solo and Last Jedi that when it came back, it's like, oh, yeah, Star Wars. I don't know. I, yeah. I do agree that... 
they did need to pace their movies out more and certainly have them out. I think it would have worked if they had have done two or three years between the big ones and maybe one or so of like the little ones in between, but certainly one every single year. It just It was risky. It was it was yeah, it was bold. Um I think yeah, the reason Marvel can do that and can do multiple a year is for one, I feel like their films are very much able to focus on a a wider variety of characters than the Star Wars films have been. Which like they can, but they just haven't been really. Like they've been focusing a lot more on the specific sequel trilogy and except for the side ones. Uh, but also they've already built this up over like previous like eight films or whatever. Like Marvel used to only do like one film a year or like one film every couple of years or whatever. And so I feel like Star Wars just kind of jumped into it much too quickly. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's sort of like, it's it's almost a confusing, uh, uh, you know, thing to oh. think about because of the fact that, you know, they're both run by Disney and like, yeah. you know, like, you know, That's the, why the MCU and Star Wars comparison. are both run by Disney. They are, uh, the, the head honchos in charge of them are the same people, except for like, you know, Kathleen Kennedy, who's the president of Lucasfilm, yeah. um, you know, the MCU and the way that that's run with Kevin Feige and the directors that he employs, like the Russo brothers, like Taika Waititi, like, uh, you know, uh, John Favreau, it's like, they, they show that they can actually run a really great, uh, creative, uh, tree with all these branches and they can actually like, for lack of a better word, they just know how to run the, you know, um, a, a production, uh, better it seems because, because like, you know, the the MCU has been so like, you know, certainly to the scale of big films. Like I've been enjoying Lucasfilm's televisions and smaller projects, but certainly in the scale of big films. Yes. Yeah. Like, you know, when, you know, uh, these, these huge MCU movies come out, you never really hear, okay, this person's been, you know, uh, um, you know, taken off of this movie or we're having, we did for Ant-Man. Ant-Man was, oh, that's true. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that any time that there was a certain like you know director taken off of a movie it was either because they just the, the director themselves didn't want to do it or there were creative differences no you, you never hear about kevin feige or some big um you know uh producer in uh the mcu saying uh no i don't like this let's let's change it and it, mm. that, and that seems to have happened quite a little bit in the star wars site that we've seen since 2015 so it's just a better tightly more well-run machine than star wars so, was so that's why yeah, that i think, they were it, I think able it's to work probably better. as much as it is an unfortunate that um that they have to push delays back due to health and COVID and everything i think it, it might be a good chance to like them reevaluate like when and like and like putting more thought into like spacing out the star wars films yeah uh giving us a bit of a break after rise of skywalker to like you know, do other things, get get more interested in the Star Wars franchise through the television shows to then bring the films back bigger uh, again, just like they did with Force Awakens, which, uh, while I don't think is not my favourite sequel trilogy film, I agree is definitely when the Star Wars hype was the biggest. Yeah, no, that's because we hadn't had something for a while, and, you know, that's... Exactly. Yeah, and so it was I've... the exact same with Phantom Menace. Yeah, uh, you know, if a Star Wars movie was coming out this year, 
I'd be excited because it's Star Wars, but again, I'd sort of just be like, Ugh. I mean, like at this point, having just wrapped up the Skywalker yeah. saga, what can you do? If we're not going to get a Star Wars film until 2023, that will get me more excited. I can say now. Definitely. Um, I think so, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, like I'll wait, I'll wait three years for another one if it means we're going to get like a huge Star Wars event again. Yeah, and you know, a lot of ways like we've got you Mandalorian saying, and stuff in between. Yeah, Mandalorian, these Disney Plus series, I think that's what you, you've developed a groundwork for how to make these, <coughs> excuse me, um, You've developed a groundwork as to how to make these uh, these these shows with how well Mandalorian was run by John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Um, so if you just stick to that sort of template that was run, that was set out by them as to how to run a production, you'll not only mm. get a lot of cool you know series that we can look forward to, but if you just employ that same thing to your movies plus the weights that we're now going to have to 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 get. Um, I think, you know, this whole, uh, health crisis thing that, that, that has been the cause is almost a blessing in disguise because it gives them yeah. some, it gives them, it just gives them time. Um, you know, and time is something that they, re- they need right now to rest, recuperate and let the Star Wars fandom sort of just like calm down and wait. <laughs> I, and... I think Star Wars, let the Star Wars fandom grow up a bit. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, that's true. Um, because I think they just need to wait until, um, some of the backlash that they've had starts to die down and Star Wars yeah. and the excitement for Star Wars seems to, uh, you know, sort of build back up. And there seems to be a lot mm. of creative uh, uh, switch around is going on at Lucasfilm right now anyway. Like none of it's been confirmed, so we're not going to talk about it. But, you know, if any of that stuff does start to uh, develop, it'll be very interesting to see how that impacts um, not only when the films come out, but what the films actually end up being. So, uh, yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's definitely interesting. And, um, yeah. All right. So that's that. Um, and, and it's even, it's not just Star Wars. I mean, everything Disney related is being pushed back, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not just Star Wars. It's the MCU. The Disney's Mulan has been delayed indefinitely. Like we don't even know when it's coming out. Um, <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Which is sad because I was really looking forward to that movie. Um, like literally it was yeah. like a week off. It was like a week off when all this sort of Corona stuff set very off. Very close. Yeah. To being and, released. and now yeah. it, it literally went from, okay, it's a week away to, we just don't know when it's going to, pop up it'll probably just end up being released on disney plus at this point thing you'd think so but these films were so expensive to make oh yeah they they would make such a loss by releasing them on disney plus but because they did they did that once with onward the new pixar movie and and yeah i think that's because they were just they they were forced to do it i don't think they can afford to do it again Mm -hmm. but um yeah so anyway we'll see what happens on that front uh anyway the next bit of news is related to these Disney Plus series that we were just talking about in that Donald Glover, who played Lando Calrissian in Solo, A Star Wars Story, is, um, it, you know, it was rumours and now it's starting to circulate a little bit more to the point where we can actually talk about it without it just being, uh, oh, maybe, it happen, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't, is uh, him returning as Lando in a Disney Plus series. Um, an unnamed Disney Plus series at this time, but it's an interesting thing to talk yep. about. So, um People have been speculating whether or not it'll be his own show, whether he'll be an ancillary supporting character in another. Um, at this point, I'm not sure what I'd like to see. Um, what... I, I feel like he'd have to be. It'd have to be a Lando show because Donald Glover is a big name. He is. Unless it's like a cameo. Like, to get Donald Glover to be in the, like a Star Wars TV show, like, that is like... That'd be a crazy big like get for them. Yeah, I I, I feel like they like either it would have to be a Lando show or like a Lando solo show or something like that. Yeah, or he'd like have a tight or like a small part because I don't know. I just feel like getting him as like a side character for like the entire show of something like um 
I don't know, like, uh, what's her name from Mandalorian? Like, not the main character, but just like a side character that lays on. I don't know. Basically I feel like having that, him that... be the Hondo in Rebels. Like, he's there yeah. sometimes. <laughs> yeah, just every so often. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like if he is, if, if they did get Donald Glover, he's probably going to be a major part, like like a Lando role, but like a, like a, a Lando show-centric show, but maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, that's true. I mean, like, you know, in Solo, it's almost weird to think about the fact that, you know, Donald Glover is in that movie, but he's not at all the shining light. When you think about it, Lando's not even in Solo for a very mm. long time. Um, I think so, so. But, like, also that is, like, a, a film. And yeah. so... And even then, he's gone bigger since then. He was Lion King. And he was Simba that. and Lion King, and is obviously yeah. he's got his own music career, and he's just doing yeah, other. So he's just doing other things. So you're right with a name like Donald Glover. Long you need since to... his day is this Troy Barnes from the <laughs> community. Yeah, you, well, you know, you need to. You do. You need to use him. Um, and if it were to be a Lando series, uh, you know, it would be interesting because you know you've got a lot to think about in terms of whether or not you're going to make it pre-Solo, which means there would be some you know adventures for him to explore with L3 and maybe how he acquired the Falcon. I don't really know. Or you could set it after um, uh, a solo, right after he has uh, obviously lost the Millennium Falcon to, um, yeah. to to Han, because there is actually an interesting story there, because the whole thing about think, Han being surprised yeah. about how he sees Lando in Empire Strikes Back is that he doesn't expect yeah. him to be so, like, you know, he sounds so responsible, a responsible leader. Like, you know, a, a, a Lando series would go a long way to show us where that transition occurred. I think uh, there's how... definitely room for more stories with Lando and Solo post the solo film yeah like while they set up that it could just end there that could be the point where we know these characters as in the new hope yeah there's there's still so much room where they can put all these stories in expand their relationship expand their backstory and not that i necessarily don't want to see that but like you know if it was there oh i'm sure that would be fun and i'd be there's lots of room to explore but but that's the thing they did leave it to that it could just be a single solo film. It could be a solo film. Yeah. And that could be a solo, a solo, solo film. Yes, exactly. Oh, that was, um, my, it was my, my favorite thing when the film was coming up. It was the solo, solo film. <laughs> That's true. Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, you know, it's never really established or said in any line of dialogue if when we last see Han and Lando interact in yeah. Solo, A Star Wars Story, if that was the last time they saw each other before Empire Strikes Back. Like, you know, they could obviously Definitely. meet up again. Um, but like you were saying, like, you know, if this were to be a thing where we get this huge gap filled, I'd be like, okay, great, let's see it. But if we didn't get it, I wouldn't crack up a storm either. Like, you know, I don't... Like, you know, it's sort of uh, like, you know, that Star Wars syndrome where not everything needs an explanation. Um, mm. But like, you know, it would be an interesting thing to uh, to see because like you said, we just we, there's this huge gap in his life and Lando is such a loved character that people would love to um, to see it happen. And uh, I think the general consensus is that Donald Glover was uh, pretty good as Lando in Solo. So Oh, definitely. He was one of my favorite parts. Yeah. Uh, so he'd definitely be able to carry it because he's not only been in bigger things, so he, his, he can clearly carry something by himself but lando as a character is very interesting and he's very loved so um you know yeah i i, I really would like to see it if this were if this were to happen so um we'll definitely get to see how that pans out as uh, news continues to unravel but uh you know as yeah. as we were just talking about with everything else being delayed um i'm not sure if something like this would be pushed back like you know the kenobi series has um yeah god knows i want to see the kenobi series before oh, anything else that's... But that's rough that the Kenobi series is pushed back because that was already like 
ages off. I know, I know. And like, you know, we we were actually really getting starting to get some really solid news about how the about how the how it's going to be made and how excited Ewan McGregor was. How Deborah mm. Chow was going to be the showrunner. I'm like, okay, great, we're finally off our feet with Kenobi, and then it gets pushed back again. Yeah. I'm just like, ugh. But look, that's the world we live patience, in right now. Patience. We just need to trust in the force. And- yeah. <laughs> well done, Michael. Well said. It'll be good. Yes, thank you very much. I feel so safe. <laughs> That's you remember that that part in Clone Wars when Lando is just like, Thank you. Yeah. I feel Wait, so safe. Oh. <laughs> Hondo, Hondo. Did I say Lando? Sorry, I meant Hondo. You said Lando. Yeah. Hey, look, look, on honest, honest mistake, those two are I've got the same energy, got the same vibes going on of just a fun time. Can I be honest? Yeah. I want to see Hondo back in something. I hundred percent agree. Like he's fun in Clone Wars, and then he goes to the next level in Rebels, and just everything has been in since. What's that? If we could get, mm-hmm. yeah. What's that thing that he says to the to? Oh God, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, you know that that really disgusting looking guy who they trade with a lot in Rebels. Who you know Hondo's often. Um, oh, as Morrigan. Uh, as Morrigan, that guy. Yeah, when he's yeah, just like, yeah. uh, he he says. You, you know, piece of filth or something like that. When he's like, it's yes. like, let's not bring your mother into this. Like that was, yes. how dare you? <laughs> that That's was, not good oh, it's so good. Oh. Um, and Hondo is bad. Have ha- and I'm like, I would, I would have to apologize to anyone who would actually physically play Hondo. But if you didn't have Jim Cummings as the voice, I just yeah. wouldn't believe it. You need to have Jim Cummings as Hondo because he just. Well- yeah, it, so well, that's a fun thing. We have actually got a semi-live action Hondo once, which is at the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. That's uh, true. In one of, like, in one of the uh, walkway things, yeah. there's a animatronic Hondo voiced by Jim Cummings, which is really cool. That is true. Like, you know, actually, and and the, in the video, the, in the video for that ride, they do actually have a person, a live action person in makeup play Hondo with Jim Cummings voicing over. So we have gotten Hondo in live action before. So it is possible. That is true, and literally live action, like literally in our world. Mm. So um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, that would be amazing. Look, if you can do I'm, it for a ride, you season can do two it man, for... season two Mandalorian. Hopes, hopes crossed. Oh, well, we've been getting we've been getting some animated characters. Hopefully, at this point, who isn't in Mandalorian season two? <laughs> yeah, uh, they've been. If we've like, got a Stoker. We have to get Hondo. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I would love to see Hondo back. Like, you know, that's sort of just <laughs> like a tangent. Yeah. Um, that can be like an episode where we just talk about like you know the the Star Wars stories we want to see because I feel like we've been, yeah. I would love to do an episode like that. Um, wait for that episode. Yeah. Uh, and that's it for our news. Basically, we've and we wrapped. It up with a nice uh, hondo shaped bow so i think that's a nice way yep. to move on to our main discussion and uh yeah so we can get into that now uh yeah. a star this wars character battle royale i am so excited for mm. this because i came to you with this idea michael and i knew you would yeah. love it um because i was just i don't know why i was just thinking about like you know what we should do and then it literally came to me with no prior thought it was like i literally mm. struck gold with this idea um and yeah. i'm just like oh yes we need to do that because i Eureka. i i know how much uh michael and i loved the superhero fight club that we were in when we were uh, yep. uh back in school um so in you know, transitioning that to just us on a podcast platform, yep. but also with Star Wars is uh, a lot of fun. So basically what yep, we've perfect. done, what we've done prior to this is Michael and I have both come up with a set of 10 characters and 10 locations each. We've put those both into an electronic wheel. We are going to spin said wheel and we are going to uh, basically come out with two characters and a randomized location. And then we were going to have them fight. <laughs> fight. Um, Basically, Michael and I were just like, you know, okay, Michael, this one's for you, this one's for me, yep. and uh, we'll have a, uh, 
No matter if we agree that the other person would win, we have to fight to protect the fight to to persuade the other person that the one we are defending will win in the battle. That's true. So I think what we should and do. Then the viewers at home can decide. Although we might also decide at the end. Yeah, that's true. We'll we'll probably decide just in case no one decides to answer. But uh, I will also. <laughs> but uh, as a cool little thing, I'll put this up on Facebook, and people can um you, you can uh yeah you can decide who you would who would win out of the fights that we're yep. about to have. Um, and yeah, at this point, if you're watching, those polls should be up already. But anyway, uh, let's see. So we will get started now. Uh, basically, what we're going to do is, uh, I guess we could have like a, we'll both give our opening salvos, I suppose. And then we could yep. both have like a, a minute to uh, rebut, I suppose, um, where we just get a chance to speak. And then we can sort of wrap it up. And uh, by the end, we can see... Uh, who would win? And if there are any points where you just really need to interject, that's fine too. Um, mm, so yeah, let's, let's, let's get started. We obviously we won't tell you, uh, the characters that we, that we have here because we want it to be a surprise. Um, but let's get started. So, uh, Michael, would you like each of us selected 10 characters? And so we're going to randomize each one that we get. Yeah. I have a, I have a coin here, so I'm just going to flip for heads or tails as to who gets to go first. Uh, sure. Michael, uh, call it. Tails. Tails. Favorite Sonic character uh, is Heads. Sorry, Michael. Yeah. I will go first. So whoever right. this this might again this might be like a, a a bad thing or a good thing. I don't know, but uh, we'll see. So my we are gonna <laughs> may add some joke ish characters in there. Spin though. that wheel, and mine is Aunt Baru. Yes. <laughs> First try! <laughs> Aunt Baru, are you kidding me? This is going to be the easiest game of my Michael life. Michael put Aunt Baru in there. I'm just like, oh, are you kidding? <laughs> if, if anyone gets Aunt Baru, you're screwed. Um, right. You may still be able to win depending on who I get. You better get someone who's just like weak ass. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Ready, Michael? Yep. Spin so. the wheel. And Michael is fighting with... Lando Calrissian. <laughs> Here uh, we go. It's Aunt Baru. It's Aunt Baru versus Lando Calrissian. All right. Uh, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. Now we need to location. We need to figure out where they're going to be fighting, and that location is spinning that wheel once more, and they will be fighting in the Senate Building on Coruscant. Ooh. Aunt yep. Baru versus Lando Calrissian on the Senate Building. This is a fight that eh. no one knew they wanted, but they're going to get it anyway. Very exciting. Um, all right, here we go. All right. So, round one. Yes, round one, Aunt Baru versus Lando. I picked first, so Michael, you um, deliver your opening statement as to why Lando will crush Aunt Baru okay. in a fight. So, I mean, immediately upon noticing Lando Calrissian. The, you can't help but notice his amazing charm and suave and his ability to win over any opponent, not only in strength, but in simply uh, interest. Oh, like, Aunt Bruce would never, but would never be able to harm such a suave, smooth talker like Lando. He'd win over her trust. He'd, he'd win her over. But then, good thing about Lando, he's also very savvy with the blaster. He could shoot uh, targets very well. So not only would he be able to win over Aunt Brew's trust, but he'd be able to sneakily and very quickly take her out with his blaster techniques. So I think Lando is a very skilled combatant who'd easily be able to win this uh, this battle. Okay. Uh, very, very, very good opening statement. Um, I will give mine. So, 
come on, guys. Abru. I mean, seriously. Uh, first of all, uh, a a lovely, lovely woman. First of all, we got to give respect to Abru. She raised little Luke well. Um, now she's a, she's a moisture farmer on Tatooine. Uh, has never seen combat in her life. <laughs> Um, but, <laughs> until the end, yeah, uh, and until the end, which also happened off screen, um, she she passed away unfortunately, so I can't tell you how good of a fight she put up. But um, if anything, I got to say, I, I will go back to on, the only other um, female moisture farmer, and who was also a mother that we that we knew of, who would be uh, Lyra Urso from Rogue One. I'm sure they got together and had uh, blue milk um, afternoon teas all the time. But uh, she had a blaster on her, so I would imagine that even if you are a moisture farmer, you've got Tusken Raiders all over the place, she would still be armed. She would at least have a maybe uh, maybe a blaster or something like that. So she definitely has a weapon. Um, you're right, Lando is, um, he, he's a very good fighter, but I feel that you were just saying he would be able to get, um, uh, he, he would definitely trying to be, uh, you know, s- uh, swaying Baru to his side because he's very, he's very good with the ladies, but I feel because he is fighting a woman, he would be holding back. He would not want to hurt Aunt Baru, and that would put him into a false sense of security, would allow, which would allow Aunt Baru to get the upper hand. Also, because of the fact that we are, of course, in, uh, the Senate building, um, Lando has, I, I don't imagine he was around at the time that the Senate building was, was, was very active. Um, Aparu was a young lady when that, uh, when the Senate building was, um, uh, at its, at, at, at its highest. So no, so neither of them would have been, would have been there, but she would know that it, uh, most likely exists, uh, hopefully, and hopefully she would be able to use the, um, you know, those different platforms as a uh, stepping stones to the bottom. And let's not forget, she has blue milk at all times. Splash that Lando Calrissian's in his face. He gets blinded. She gets away and kills him easily. <laughs> Look, those are some very strong points, I have to admit. But just a couple of glaring issues I've noticed. Yes. Aunt Beru has lived on Tatooine her entire life. She's not acclimatized to the urban landscapes of a Coruscant. She's more familiar with the deserts and all that. Whereas Lando, he's a man of the stars. He's traveled. So frankly, I feel like he would be much more comfortable in a home ground or a home ground like scenario of a Senate building where he's familiar. He knows the technology. He knows the the environment. Whereas Aunt Beru would just be completely outside of her depth. Also, you said blue milk to weaken Lando. I'm afraid you're underestimating the power of blue milk. Blue milk is a strengthener. You throw blue milk in Lando's face, he's going to gulp that right up and oh, go power up mode. <laughs> Uh, power ups? Also, Are there power ups? Power up mode. Exactly. <laughs> They're just scattered across also, like, a, like a battlefield, like a battlefront level. Yeah. Yeah. And to say that that Lando Calrissian would be weakened by, uh, or at least uh, softened uh, by his uh, attraction to um, Aunt Beru, no, this is not the case. See, Lando, he's very suave with the women, but that doesn't mean that he is like necessarily infatuated no no no. he uses his suave not only with the women but everyone in the show and in the in the series to his advantage he uses it to gain um leverage in them in uh in uh what's it called um why am i blanking why am i blanking (laughs) sorry uh whatever like um a deal like trade deals in like gambling and all this he uh so he's not one to uh to necessarily like blinded by his own infatuation no 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 he uses it to his advantage you see and as for you said 
Aunt Brew would have a blaster at least because uh, she's used to being a moisture farm fighting Tuscan Raiders. Just because someone has a blaster does not mean they're skilled or trained in any way. No, no, no. Lando Calrissian, he is, I mean, he becomes a general of the of the rebellion. He, and he's used to going on scoundrel missions on the Corellian run with all them. See, Lando Calrissian, he is actually trained and skilled with a blaster. So I'm afraid it's simply not a competition. Uh, yeah, I'd agree. Um, do you have any rebuttals uh, i do i do have a rebuttal uh saying that um uh you know uh aunt beru would be given a gracious defeat i'm gonna say that (laughs) Uh, yes okay i'm I'm gonna call that one now uh yes that was an incredible (sighs) argument uh michael well done look you fought valiantly i tried to but I'm afraid it was just I'm not thinking, on your would side. Would you even have a weapon? Oh my god! Um, <laughs> we don't see. Look, I liked I liked the idea of bringing blue milk into it, but I'm afraid it did backfire. Yes, in the that's end. true. Quit it the absolutely power up. would. It was like, oh, it would only strengthen him. I'm just like, shit. He turned it on me. <laughs> you only make me more powerful. <laughs> uh, yeah, I swear to God, when I saw that on your list, I'm just like, if I get Arbaru, and it's the first one, I cannot believe that. Um, See, this is why you wanted to do it that each of us had to choose from our own list. <laughs> That's probably true. I would have just chosen Rancor's uh, Star City as like all the most powerful ones, yeah. but that's good. Um, no, no, no. We've yes, done well. Well done. That done was well. a great, great first one. Uh, okay. Yeah, so we're, yeah. we're going to get into our, our next one, which will be a lot of fun. Aunt Beru, Lando, and uh, the Senate building are uh, off the table in terms of if we spin them uh, another time so we can move on to other people. So, yes. uh, Michael, I spun first the first time, so uh, now it is your turn. Your next character I'll be who sure. you will Let's be fighting go. for is... We're spinning the wheel, and you've landed on Vice Admiral Holdo. <laughs> Vice yeah, Admiral let's Holdo, do this. Seen in The Last Jedi, died in The Last Jedi, uh, and my... Dyed her hair, question mark? <laughs> And my character is we're spinning the wheel once more, and I will be fighting for Malakili. <laughs> Mal- oh yes, Malakili, <laughs> the Rancor Keeper. Uh, who? Yes, for viewers out there who don't know, Malakili is the well-renowned, very important Star Wars character who is the owner of the Rancor. Who, after its death, due to Luke Skywalker, comes out sobbing in tears of just him losing his yes. friend. Yes, um, very, very unfortunate. I feel bad for the guy every time I watch Return of the Jedi. But uh, yeah, so it's, it's going to be Vice Admiral Holdo versus Malakili. This wheel really doesn't want us to be fighting yeah. with any main characters. Um, <laughs> No, or anyone who's really known for like combat, except maybe Lando. Who's That's known. true. Uh, all right, so our location that they'll be fighting in is Arch Toe, Luke's Island. Ooh. Luke's Island. Yeah. Um, Luke's yeah, Island. okay. Uh, if you want to take a moment to just start a, start thinking of some ideas. All right, uh, Malakili, the Rancor Keeper, seen on Tatooine. Uh, first of all, this guy... Uh, is clearly renowned with, uh, you know, communicating and taking care of uh, creatures. And if there's something that Arch Toe, Luke's Island, is known for, it's creatures because we have the porgs, we have other form of we have other forms of wildlife, um, other fauna that's been confirmed on Wikipedia that ha- that uh, belong to Arch Toe. Um, and I feel like he would be able to use his uh, great sensibility towards uh, the animal wildlife of the galaxy and use them uh, to. Uh, uh, strengthen his resolve to defeat a a, a someone like uh, Vice Admiral Holdo. Um, I believe that Vice Admiral Holdo, if Last Jedi has taught us anything, it's that she's not going to have a plan uh, at all. So, 
<laughs> she's not going to have a plan for escaping. No, what... she's just not going to tell yeah, you about no, it. That, that's true, but um, it's never going to be confirmed as to whether or not she has a solid plan at all. So I feel like she's going to be out in the open, uh, exposed. She's going to be in on rocky terrain. Malakili, as a native to Tatooine, is very used to desolate, uh, um, uh, rocky uh, landscapes, and this is exactly what Archito is going to provide for you. Um, I feel like he's a far better swimmer if the <laughs> if the fight ever took to the oceans of Archito. Um, I don't I don't really know, but I feel like as an opening salvo, uh, yes, Malakili uh, would be able to stand his ground against Holdo. So that's my opening argument. Yeah. Okay. So, so Vice Admiral Holdo, I mean, start off, it's in the name. She is a highly respected commanding officer of the resistance uh, um, military. Uh, Vice Admiral, I mean, it's on the Navy, but you don't get to be in that position without having combat experience. And so clearly this would be a very beneficial uh addition to her fighting abilities. Secondly, you talked about Malakili using the animals to his assistance. What, is he going to use the Porgs to help destroy Vo- <laughs> Vice Admiral Holdo? The Porgs? Okay. And second, also, you talked about his swimming ability or Arcto of it. Sure, he's used to desolate environments, but he's used to deserts. I don't really know if there's water on a desert. So how much swimming experience is Malakili going to get? Look, while Vice Admiral Holdo might be used to like the more extravagant city life or whatever, she's probably experienced islands or at least water environments a lot more than Malakili has. So I feel like that's more of a homegrown advantage to her. And secondly, about her having a plan, she might not always have a very obvious, well-thought plan in that sense, but she is dedicated to her plans because she was to the point where she was willing to do the Holdo maneuver, sacrifice herself for her commitments to her friends. Holdo's going to go all out in a battle with Malakili. She's not going to go like half, half uh, effort or whatever. She is going to go all out. She's going to Holdo maneuver (laughs) Malakili off the cliff if it comes to it. She's going to light speed into the island. No, I was joking. (laughs) So she's going to light speed into the island. I'm just saying, (laughs) commitment. That's fantastic. So I talked about boards. I talked about Um, uh, Arcto being more similar to where she's from than the desert. And I talked about her commitment and her general and she's like all that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, I would say about uh, um, Vice Admiral Amalyn Holdo is that something that she was really known for, and it's why um, uh, uh, Poe asked Kai about it before he started to talk talk to her directly. Is uh, as in Battle of Chiron Belt, Admiral Holdo. It was it, it was uh, well known that the Battle of Chiron Belt was a ship to ship, you know, battle between um, a New Republic uh, forces and uh, the First Order in the early stages of what we now know as the sequel trilogy. So Admiral Holdo is known for her ship-to-ship, you know, accuracy in terms of leadership. But if you put her in a a very unknown landscape um, with what I I can only assume is a small blaster because it's the only weapon we see her use uh, when she fires on the mutineers in The Last Jedi, um, let's say that that's what she she has. Um, I would say that she would be a little bit outclassed in terms of what she's normally used to uh, because not only is, like I said, she's in unusual terrain, but I would just go back to the fact that uh, Malakili, I mean, come on, he is a... Um, he was the beast master for Jabba the Hutt. So not only does he have a, um, he, he's used to having to deal with rough environments and being able to sort of fend for himself because he was also, uh, bought into slavery by the Hutts. So he was sort of, um, he, he would sort of had this 
have this drive in himself to uh, to to retaliate. I feel that would give him the uh, the drive to uh, like a like a drive to win. I suppose. Um, and I feel that because of the fact that not only is he used to that sort of thing, but he's used to the uh, constant um, uh, abuse and very uh, misfortunate treatment that you would get in a place like Jabba's palace. So he would be used to the very rough and um, and unforgiving terrain that a desolate island would give you, and that's why I feel like he would have the leg up. Interesting, interesting answers. Uh, I just have a few counterpoints. You're, you're talking about an animal trainer versus a soldier. So, yes, he was he was in yes. Jabba's palace. He was in this rough environment. But he was, like, trying... All his job was was to tame the Rancor. Like, he's not a combatant. He's there to, like, try and make something that's all spooky and scary <laughs> nice. And... As you see in the film, he's a big softie. Not saying there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> I just don't think he'd have the heart to kill Holdo. He's just... If he has so much sentimental attraction to the Rancor, this man is not a... He's not a... He doesn't fight. In fact, we don't even see him use a weapon, I don't believe, let alone have her, her blast. So... I, th I think you're attributing some certain characteristics to a man who simply himself would reject it, say, I'm not a man of violence. I'm a man of taming creatures and animals that I think are beautiful. And frankly, he would be just distracted by all of the fun wildlife on Akto and wouldn't even be able to pay attention to the <laughs> important fight going on. Playing with the porgs. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. All right. That's, that's, that's fair enough. Um, I would say that because of the fact that he does uh, cry, He's a bit of a softie. Um, I feel like uh, because at the end of the day, despite what some people might think of her, um, Admiral Holdo is an honourable woman and uh, she ended up saving the entire resistance and giving up her life for them. Um, I feel like if at one point he was thought to have been uh, defeated, he would just suck up, he would he would plea for his life and Admiral Holdo would have to uh, uh, to, to let him go. At this point, I'm not even asking he would win. I'm just like, he, he wouldn't die. He wouldn't die. He just wouldn't win. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So um, I think uh, to give my final statement on our uh, on my yes. friend uh, Melakili, I feel like a he would have the wildlife of Achto on his side. He would be able to deal with the rough terrain that an island place like that gives you against an opponent who is used to ship to ship combat. So she is not used to being on the ground to deal with these sorts of things. And yes, he's a big softy, so she wouldn't be able to deal. Uh, she wouldn't be able to uh, go at him as uh, viciously as she would have been able to most likely some of her other opponents, I don't believe. Um, and that's why I feel Malakili would win. <laughs> uh, my final statement, as I stated yep. from the start, Holdo's a, a soldier, and that doesn't... Yes, you specialize in ship-to-ship, -ship, but you don't go into the army without having combat experience, without having training, without having expertise in the martial field. She also is very dedicated and, 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 and goes all out in her battles, so right. I don't believe... But I don't believe that she would um, give up because, as you said, with the Holdo maneuver, she is like all goes all out. Uh, and lastly, uh, she has more experience, I feel, than anyone in a desert environment would have battling, considering she is from the military and thus has traveled many places around the galaxy, having a wide experience of places in the galaxy outside of a single desert planet. But there we go. That's my final. All right, there you go. Um, okay, well, I feel like Ooh, that was... I'm a, a, mixed. I'm mixed. The, yeah, I feel like... Um, I, I think I'm able to, to, to concede again. I believe that... Uh, I don't know, I, I, those I, porgs on your side. Uh, shut up, Michael. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, yeah, yeah, I love you, Michael. Uh, <laughs> you know... Um, 
No, I uh, I swear to God, one of these times I'm gonna get one of the ones that can actually put up a fight. But yeah, um, yeah no, no. Uh, <laughs> did right. you put all these characters in hoping that I get them so no. they're just like you know? <laughs> Which, I'm just... Also, so far we've each gotten each other's characters every single time. That's true. Yeah, yep. very true. <laughs> no, um, it's been good. So yeah, there you go. Um, Round two goes to Holdo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So I guess we could just um, do do another one now. Yeah. Um, let's go for it. Round so. Three. I will uh, receive the first spin uh, from from the wheel. Yep. So the character that I will be fighting for, Michael, is Garazeb Aurelius or Ooh. Zeb from Rebels. Ooh. Yes. All right. Uh, All right. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> and Michael, the character that you'll be fighting for is. Lobot. <laughs> Lobot from Cloud oh. City. Um, now, the, if the location is Cloud City, you, you're, you're going to be. I could um, be alright. I could be alright. Yes. If it's okay. Cloud City. Um, so the location is you've got to be kidding me. Is it Cloud City? It's Cloud City. Yes. <laughs> oh, you, you've got to be kidding. Seriously, no, no, no. I'm not kidding. These wheels hate me. <laughs> I thought I was in the clear with Zeb. <laughs> yep. Oh, right. damn it. Let's, do it! Let's do it, man. Come on. Uh, All right. I'm opening. Um, yes, you are. All rightio. Well, uh, I've already got an already opening statement. This yep. is Lobot. Okay. He has, if you actually, funnily enough, have read some backstory of Lobot. He has a number of expertise on exp on uh, on missions of of scan of uh, of dangerous nature with Lando. So he's not just some average administrative, cybotic <laughs> man. No, no, this man he has experience in uh, dangerous fields. Secondly, as I stated, he's the administrator of Cloud City, and not just like he does paperwork or tells people what to do. He's got an entire computer in his head controlling the city. This is the kind of level of knowledge of not only the environment, but control of the environment and, and awareness and everything going on that would just be incredibly uh, important to the battle, which give him such a high advantage. And thirdly, we've seen him use the blaster, or at least his knowledge of the blaster with his rescuing of Leia and Chewbacca in Cloud City and his ability to coordinate with Lando and other people in in Cloud City. So he has got some experience, he's got the knowledge and know-how of the location, and he's got the blaster training ready to easily be able to destroy Garazeb Aurelius. Okay. Uh, also, sorry, just one thing I should mention is that yep. it is it, it is Cloud City Industrial Complex. So what that means it's basically that underground area where, oh, okay, Luke, yep. and, where Luke and Vader were fighting in Empire Strikes Back. Yep. Um, okay. Uh, just to quickly put it to that. Sure. Yes, of course. It's the, it's the Cloud City Industrial Complex, but he runs the entire facility. He's familiar with the Industrial Complex, obviously. In fact, some there, the Industrial Complex itself is such a strange, dangerous environment that, frankly, he'd be one of the few people there who is as incredibly familiar with the Industrial Complex, so that it would be even more dangerous for newcomers to be able to explore just because the entire place is a maze and, and dangerous with all these traps and everything. So I put that forward to you. 
Uh, okay, great. I uh, will will take that, and I will start with my uh, opening salvo for Gareth Zebarelius or or Zeb. I just like to say his full name because it's a yeah. cool uh, uh, full name. Uh, I would agree in that uh, you know uh, Lobot does really have an upper like basically what we would now call the home field advantage because he's tied <laughs> yeah. into that entire place. But I would say that Alasat, an incredibly uh, um, uh, brutal uh, fighter, so he's not going to give up no matter what you say. Um, but he's also very good with using the Lasat uh, people in general are very good at using their physicality to their advantage. Zeb is going to be able to climb the walls. He's go- and as we know, in the Cloud City Industrial Complex, especially when they're still inside, that place is very dark. It's very dark. And as we know, in that industrial complex, Vader was able to hide in the shadows and pounce out at Luke just when he needed to. So I feel that lo- that um, someone like Zeb would be able to climb the walls, get up on the roof. Uh, uh, Lobot being obviously very... Uh, powerful and tied into the place that they're at, but at the end of the day, he is a very stoic and uh, uh, um, you know, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just um, neutral uh, gentleman who sort of just like ends up standing there. Uh, I feel like he Zeb would be able to take that advantage to um, really jump out at him and uh, and take the advantage regardless of uh, any control that Len- that um, Lobot might have over over the environment. Say Lobot were, was able to instantly um, shut off all the lights uh, and make them uh, fight completely in the dark. I feel like Lo- what uh, that uh, Zeb would be able to use that again to his advantage, and he does have um, a weapon. On him, he has that large uh, rifle that he carries with him. Um, bow rifle. Bow rifle. Thank you. Uh, so I feel like he'd be able to use that and uh, against Lobot and uh, come out with a pretty steady uh, uh, defeat against this um, this cyborg man. So um, that's my opening salvo, Michael. What do you got to say? So rebuttals. Yes. Uh, first, you brought up the idea of Lobot being a stoic kind of like unfazed man, and there's a reason for that. Lobot himself has undergone like uh, dangerous, like not only augmentations, but uh, in the Lando comic, we learnt that he actually lost his personality, lost his human side to him, which I think is an advantage. He's not weakened by fear, emotion, or anything. He is a stoic, unthinking machine who is just who can who can concentrate entirely on the battle, the strategy needed. This isn't having a man thinking of strategy. This is a computer thinking of strategy. Everything going on. This is this is a uh, a serious combatant. Not only you said using the darkness to his uh, his side and all that. Lobot has cybernetic enhancements. He would easily be able to detect um, the Lassart in the dark and and use the things to advantage. Also, you talked about uh, his his bow rifle. Um, well, yes. Garazeb is a very skilled combatant in terms of hand-to-hand combat, in terms of using in, in terms of using his verticality, and all of that. Uh, Lobot would would never need to get close to him. Would never need to do this because he would easily be able to sneak up or or at least uh, activate some sort of trap to weaken Garazeb before a close combat encounter would ever occur. Lobot is always aware of his location. He would be on top of the match the entire time. Garazeb would never be able to get a foothold to be able to even get close to Lobot. And I think the match would be over immediately. It might even be over as simply as as activating a chute that sends Garazeb down the uh, slides that Luke falls down (laughs) outside of, of, of Cloud City. It'd be over as quick as that. So, uh, that's my rebuttal. 
that's fair. That's fair. Okay, I'm going to say in a in rebuttal, I agree that um, uh, Lobot does definitely have his uh, cybernetic enhancements, and he was able to be take to have that sort of um, uh, humanity stripped away from him, so he wouldn't really have any sensibility as to uh, whether or not he's causing any uh, harm to to Zeb. I would say not only is uh, Zeb a he is also a um a. a Deep down, he's a compassionate warrior, but uh, but um, a lot of the time, he's he's his temper is very easily lost, and that means he he'll, he'll be able to do things like uh, charge right onto Lobot, get him down to the ground, and really start to pummel on him. Um, and, and not only is that something that he's able to do, but let's not forget that uh, Gary Zebarellius was the captain of the Lasan Honor Guard back on the start before he left and joined the Spectre uh, Spell of the Rebellion. So he has a lot of experience in these types of scenarios, fighting in unknown, uh, in unknown regions. And yes, um, you know, uh, Lobot has the, uh, has the advantage, but if you look at some of the things that Zeb has been through, stranded on a desolate planet with strange aliens coming at him with Agent Callus before he was rescued, Zeb does not give up regardless of the, fa of the, of the things that he is faced with, and he is going to be scrappy. He's going to, uh, go up against Lobot with a, uh, ferocious temper and come out on top. Very good. Yep. Uh, just a side rebuttal. I, I think it's it can be a little bit unfair to, with the idea of, of how effective Garazeb is in combat, considering in Rebels, they never lose in any way, let alone, like, <laughs> like Stormtroopers, they could be a hundred Stormtroopers versus the Rebellion, like, the the Rebel Phoenix Squadron or whatever, and they would just, they would still win, but uh, that's okay. Well, uh, um, I but... think it's shown that Zeb, when he's gone up against, like, literally, literal hallways of Stormtroopers, that he's yeah. he's able to use his physicality as a Lassat to not only hang off the walls and, like, pounce off the roof and take out, like, dozens of Stormtroopers at a time. If he's facing uh, up against one, uh, cyborg that's really I mean I love Lobot to death but he's built for <laughs> a lot of the, like you know I'm not sure administrative I'm, abilities exactly he's built for administrative abilities etiquette and protocol sort of like C-3PO but not as uh, not as no. robotic um, I feel like he's just going to have the upper hand in terms of a fight I, I, I have to say that yeah okay yeah so my, my final closing statement yes uh, as I stated from the start, Lobot has the experience. He went on previous pirate missions with Lando using his cyborg abilities in these missions to to do quick uh, hacking, to do uh, tactical analysis, all of these things. So he's got this experience. Secondly, he's cyborg. He's unthinking machine, pure tactics, pure uh, unthinking, uh, unemotional, sorry, very pure logical thinking, unemotional man who wouldn't be affected in any way by his silly human emotions that would try and, that would affect him in, in the middle of battle, and he could exploit Garazeb's human, emo or uh, Lassat emotions to his weakness. And thirdly, he is so familiar with this environment, so familiar with everything going on, not only in his administrative control of it, using his computer, but also his knowledge of, of the area, just because he lives every single day. It's such a home field advantage. I just don't see a situation where Lobot would be in a, where, where the Lassat would be able to get close to Lobot to be able to use his techniques, which I admit, he's stronger in combat in this exact, if it was just one-on-one -on -one like that, but in Cloud City, it's just, that's never going to happen because Lobot is just so in control of that environment. That's my, that's my final rebuttal. 
That's uh, okay. Great. I, I would say for my opening, for, for my uh, closing, uh, I, I definitely agree that uh, that uh, Zeb would sort of be out of his uh, league in terms of uh, uh, the around the location that they're in because Lobot would definitely be able to uh, sway that to his advantage. I honestly just have to go back to the strength he possesses, the ability that he's able to do astounding jumps and leaps. He can ragdoll dozens of stormtroopers at a time if this guy and he ex he exceeds the strength of a single human being and lobot regardless of his cybernetic enhancements does look like a human and has ba the basic strength of a human if you're just looking at uh, lobot as himself if zeb were able to get a hold of him and um in terms of uh you know him using the environment of cloud city to his advantage you mentioned like you know making him fall down large chasms or sucking him into those those large areas uh zeb um climbing out of that icy cave while carrying Agent Callus and still getting to them to the top. Shows how strong he is, shows his determination to win and not give up, and he sh and uh, how good he is in completely unknown environments like he was on that desolate planet before the Spectre Cell came and got him. So I feel that uh, though it would be a very good match, uh, Zeb would come out victorious. Yes. Okay. So those are both of our final statements. Yep. Uh, and now we decide... Uh, I think I think I'll give this one to you. I think <laughs> while Lobot is very skilled in this environment, yeah, he's he's not going to win against a Lasot on a guard. Yeah, uh, that, that's that's true. I, I absolutely one hundred percent agree that he would have complete uh, control of the environment that they're in, and he'd be able to use that. But you know, yeah. Zeb is Zeb. What well, <laughs> what can he do? Like, sure, he can, he's familiar with it, and he could open some shoots to make him fall down. But as you said, if there's one thing that Zeb's good at doing, it's climbing. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, that is that, and I really enjoyed that conversation. That was great. Um, yeah. So yeah, let's let's move on to the next one, shall we? So um, yep, you round four. You are first, Michael, and your character. I am first. Your character. Let's do it. Come on. Your character is. Spinning the wheel right now, sir, and your one is ooh, R two D two. R two D two. Okay. You are fighting for the legacy astromech R two D two, and my character is Bosk. Oh dear. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I think this will be interesting. It'll be an interesting match. All right. Okay. Um, all, right, all, right. all right. And they are fighting in Spin the Wheel. They are fighting in the Coruscant Underground. Ooh. Yes. All right. So, uh, yeah. All right. Um, okay. All right. Let's do this. Uh, I keep blanking on who went first the last time. Was it you or me? Uh, I did. I went. I went first last time. You did. Okay, great. All right. Well, then I will. Uh, I, I will begin. Uh, first of all, much like we were just talking about with Zeb, if there's one thing the Transdotians are known for, it is their, uh, their it is their physicality and their strength in terms of physical combat. Because not only do we see that heavily uh, implied in that um, the Transdotian arc in Clone Wars, or when Boss goes up against Reiko Hardin and the Republic. Uh, um, uh, uh, prison where he fights off many uh, clone troopers at a time, but I'm just using that to you know showcase his physical mm. strength. But also, if we're talking about the Coruscant Underground, that is a uh, no offense to the Coruscant Underground. I, I would love to visit that place. It's a dark, 
uh, it's a it's a dark vile a wretched hive vile, of scum and villainy. Exactly, a wretched hive of scum and villainy. If there's one thing that Boss would be acclimatized to, it's something like that. Um, I I hate to diss R two. He's one of my favorite characters. Uh, but a lot of the time, if he is on Coruscant, he's up with Anakin in the Jedi Temple. He knows what it's like on the top. He does not know what it's like on the bottom. If there's uh, if there are any main characters that have ever visited the underground of Coruscant, we can think of Ahsoka, uh, Ventress, Anakin, Plo Koon, a lot of clones troopers um but i don't imagine that r2 has ever been down there um so he's definitely been on the streets of coruscant when he was out with c-3po and they sort of got captured by cad bane but he's never been in the underground where shit really starts to uh to get real um it's really it's really uh, uh you know uh tough to to be down there and um you know get through it. And I feel like Bosk has become acclimatized to that, you know, to that sort of environment. Not only is he also, uh, carry, he carries a weapon. And, uh, my last thing that I would say in this little opening salvo is that we have seen R2-D2 go up against bounty hunters before, uh, when he was captured by Cad Bane, uh, emphasis on the word captured, uh, because they did capture him. So, uh, if there's one skilled, if there's a bounty hunter in the galaxy that's as skilled as, as, as anything, uh, it's, um, it's someone like Bosk. So that's my opening statement. Okay, so opening statement for me. Yes. Uh, immediately, when we think of R2, who do we think of? We think of incredibly clever, it's one of the most powerful, overpowered series in the entire <laughs> Star Wars franchise. That's true. If there's anyone who can solve a problem in the Star Wars franchise, it's R2. R2's going to come up with a way. He's going to come up with some fun little trick. He's going he's gonna to drive over to a wall. There's going to be a little circle socket in there. He'll spin his little spindle, and something will fall from the sky and kill Bosk. This is just how the <laughs> series goes. The writers love writing R2 to win, so that's a thing. Secondly, you mentioned he'd been captured by Cad Bane. So, yes, while that was bad for R2, he's got experience in this, all right? He knows... He's been up against bounty hunters, and he's failed in the past, but shows that he would learn. R2's not one to make the same mistake twice. He's a clever little droid. And also, Cad Bane is clearly the most advanced bounty hunter at that time. I think after Jango Fett, he was whenever, whatever. But Bosk, well, yes, he's a high, powerful bounty hunter. He's not on the same level as Cad Bane. And so, he, since R2 has, has gone ex experience going up against Cad Bane, and has learnt from that experience... He'd easily be able to take on Bosk. And thirdly, this is R2 we're talking about. He's not he's experienced with a little bit of combat experience, you know. Like after all, he destroyed those super battle droids, Revenge of the Sith, with like what? Uh, a jetpack and some r rocket fuel or whatever. R2 is crafty, quick thinking, clever, and the riders love him. He would easily be able to find some skill panel to, to the activate a spaceship to start shooting at Bosk. This is R2 um, we're talking about. Okay, the that's great. Uh, if there was any uh, droid that I would not want to go up against if I was in a fight, it would definitely be R2-D2 because he's shown himself to be very determined and uh, forward-thinking when it comes to uh, uh, chasing off an enemy. I do agree. I feel that R2-D2 would be good in terms of defending himself and distracting the other person so that he could get away. But again, this is a fight. If Bosk and R2-D2 were to come up face-to-face, R2-D2 does have his weapons, like his shocking and his ability to, to fly with his thrusters that somehow just disappear in the original trilogy. But um, but I feel like if you were still going up in a yep. fight, Bosk would be uh, superior. He's very tall because he is a trans and He's very lanky. He's able to move quickly. Um, 
And let's say, like we said, we're in a Coruscant underground right now. Not only is it a very scummy place where Bosk is going to be acclimatized to, but also you have those trains. Let's say, for the sake of argument, that this sort of fight ends up on like one of those trains if R2-D2 is trying to escape or something like that. Bosk has had experience on trains. Remember, uh, on, on that, on that, um, uh... <laughs> He's experienced on trains! He does! That Bounty Hunter arc, that Bounty Hunter episode where Ventress and yes. them uh, have to uh, escort that cargo on that I think train. It's called Bounty yeah. I think it's called. Yeah, uh, 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 Bosk has experience with uh, fighting on uh, vehicles like those, like those, like really big moving trains. So I feel like he'd be able. He he would be in his element when it comes to fighting in an area like this. Obviously, like you said, R two would be able to put up, a, put, uh, would be able to uh, get away and uh, try to drop things on him. But again, that's all protecting himself. When it comes to attacking, he's going to be outmatched by this really strong transdotion who has served with. God knows how many of some of the most skilled fighters. He's he he has um, been a companion to Boba Fett. He was sent. Uh, he was employed by Darth Vader to find the Millennium Falcon. So clearly, he's made a name for himself in the interim that we don't see in between the Clone Wars and the Empire's reign. So he is a well-known bounty hunter, and the reason for that is because he's he's skilled. And any time that he's given a job to do or someone to track down, he's not going to let you down. So I feel like that's why uh, he would win. Okay. Yeah. Strong arguments. Not gonna lie, strong arguments. He has he has experience there, on I... trains, Michael. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, I know he's got he's been on a train before. Uh, look, I I admit you got some strong points. Just wanted to bring you up on a couple of things. You mentioned our Bosk is highly renowned. You say Darth Vader hired him. He's worked with Boba Fett. Yes. You do know we're talking about R two D two. R2-D2 was the droid so well-trusted by Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader himself, that he, like, went out of his way to, like, search for him to make sure he could find him because he believes in this droid so much. Bosk was just hired. He was just like, I can't be bothered to look for the Millennium Falcon. Just get some silly bounty hunter and we'll pay him to find him. No, no, no. R2-D2 was held in such high regard. He helped Luke destroy the Death Star. He helped them on Endor. He was in every major, pretty much every major world event in the Star Wars universe. Every time there was a big battle or, or story event, R2-D2 was there in the thick of it. What did Bosk do? He was in a couple <laughs> of background scenes and a couple of Clone Wars episodes. No, no, no. R2-D2, there's a reason why he's in the most of them. And it's not just because he's a main character. It's because he is important and useful in this franchise. And I believe that would translate to a battle because, frankly, uh, R2-D2 has been in battles before, as I stated with the... Uh, the what's the... Death um, Star Battle? The Death... Yeah, sure. Death Star. <laughs> and also, he's durable, okay? Yes, he's been shot a number of times, and that's problematic. But but, but what's the best thing Boss can do? Yes, he might have a blaster, which is strong, but otherwise he mostly goes in for close combat encounter. He's a bulky droid. Uh, R2-D2 survived being hit by a TIE fighter. Yes, he was, like, knocked out, but he was able to be repaired after the fact. I don't think a simple Trandoshan's, like, physical strength is going to be able to destroy R2-D2. Like, he's built... He's a he's a bulky machine. And so, I think with just all this there, experience on trains is simply not enough. <laughs> and if they do... If they do go on trains... That's true. Just because Bosk has been on a train before, doesn't mean he's got an advantage. R2-D2 can control the train. He'll just find a power <laughs> socket and plug in. And he can, he can set the speed up as high as he wants. He can magnetize his feet to the ground and send Bosk flying backwards. There's... Is, that's the thing. There's 
endless possibilities of what R2 can do because he's such a versatile astromech droid and because he's so quick thinking and crafty, R2-D2 will instantly be able to come up with a solution to be able to destroy Bounty Hunter like Bosk. It's just not a competition. All right, fair enough. Uh, all right, well, I'm going to... We'll, we'll sort of wrap this one up again. Um, I honestly yeah, just have to but... go back to... Well, first of all, you did say that he's been in, in very uh, numerous um, uh, battles and he's been in some of the key events in the Star Wars franchise. Yeah, well, that's because of the fact that, yes, he was assigned to Luke Skywalker. He was assigned to Anakin Skywalker. He's been a trademark of the Skywalkers in terms of the droids they carry with them uh, for years. So just because of the lineage he has, yes, he's going to be involved in a lot of the cool stuff that we see in Star Wars. But it's not particularly because of the stuff that he can do. Obviously, yes, he is very skilled in a lot of ways, but when you think about, like, you know, he helped in the Death Star battle. Okay, he helped repair Luke Skywalker's X-Wing stabilizer, and then he got shot up by, uh, like, like uh, by a TIE fighter. Again, like you were saying, um, on this, on this train, if you were going to go back to this, this, this bloody train, um, <laughs> this train. yeah, you're right. He would be able to, uh, make it super, super, super fast for Bosk or make him slip over because of how erratically he starts to move the train around. But, uh, again, it just goes back to my saying, that that R2-D2 knows how to defend himself well. But as soon as Bosk whips out that blaster and shoots him once, Return of the Jedi has shown that one shot uh, to, to R2-D2 is going to make him completely lose his shit and is going to be immobilized for basically the rest of the movie and he'll be able to do nothing. So I feel like that's why Bosk would come out victorious in this fight. Okay. Yeah. Strong arguments. But I think you are missing the fact that R2-D2 can do a little dance. He can go from side to side to do oh, a dance. Oh, right. I'm, and that's very, very I'm cool. I'm so sorry. Yes, of course. But, I did forget but that. But no. All right. Closing arguments, closing arguments. As I stated, every single battle, highly important. Not just repairing the X-Wing. There's a reason that Luke and and Rey and Anakin all used them as their, like, trusted droid and astromech. Uh, actually, Ray was probably more BB-8. I didn't did did do anything the... in the sequel trilogy. <laughs> yeah, he didn't really, did he? Hey, he found the Luke. He found the map to Luke. That's true. It was in the whole Because he just time. decided to wake. Because uh, no. he just decided to wake yeah. up. Yeah, exactly. No, he's very. So he's very good. He's also he's so he's been around for the entire franchise. Bosk, he's been in a couple of things. R2D2 has been right from the start to right to the end. This droid knows how to endure. And as you were saying, he just only knows how to defend. I'm sorry, but that's not the case. He attacked the super battle droids. He has attacked um, the buzz droids uh, defending Anakin's Star Destroyer. So he is, knows his way around in, in the combat. Uh, and he's just, he's, he's so crafty, he's so quick thinking, and he's got control of the environment that simply the train that we, that is definitely we're fighting on, it's Coruscant it's train now. goddamn train. Um, he would just easily be able to win. Uh, I, I just... R2-D2 is just too... He's, he's got too much plot armor to be able to lose. <laughs> okay, uh, well, that was another good fight. Um, All right, final? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, okay, so what do, you, what do you reckon, Michael? What do you reckon? <laughs> Look, I'm very proud of my arguments. Me too. I'm so happy you did, you, you did that. But... It's not looking good for no, him. No, look, I honestly... I, I was really hoping you wouldn't bring up in Return of the Jedi how he gets shot once and then he's Yeah, out. well, look, that... <laughs> was, it, it, I needed you to not bring It really up. was a good fight, Michael. Honestly, like, you know, R2-D2 is more skilled in combat than <laughs> than most people would think. Like, he held off three bounty hunters at a time on uh, on Vancor when they were trying to get through that Star Destroyer. Like, no, no, the Star Destroyer. Yeah. The cruiser. He was able to, to fight them off. Yeah, they were. But again, that's, they, yeah. the, that's him, like, distracting and being... And just like you know, just but if it would, but that's if, if the they, thing. That's what if they does, ever come yeah. face to face, 
I think he'd be screwed. Um, this is the thing. Every time he gets shot, he's out immediately. That's true. Uh, okay, so that's that fight. I think that was a that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah was good, all right, huh? so I will. God, I have such a bad memory. Did you go first last time, or did I? Um, uh, uh, I did. I chose Arthur. All right, first. great. So I'll I'll, I'll s- whoever goes first generally is second to talk. Yes. So you'll go first this time, and then I'll, I'll talk. All first. right. Uh, and right now, fifth one. Maybe make this our final one just to finish yep, it off. that's great. All right, so this will be our last one. Uh, so I'm going to spin the wheel now, and my character is going to be... Ooh, Dengar. Ooh, the good one. The bounty hunter Dengar. Yes, I love Dengar. Yep. Uh, and yours is... Michael, you will be fighting for... Jin Urso. Okay. Right. This oh. seems okay. this seems a more contested fight. I'm looking yeah, forward to this. We got some more levels. So yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So just take a moment if you need to to uh, uh, think of a couple of things if you need we, to. Yeah. We need a um a location. Oh right. Yes, we do need a location. Uh, and the location. It's <laughs> not a train. Location. Michael is going to be. Okay, it's the Coruscant Underground again. We're gonna we're gonna spin again. Yep, let's spin again. All right. Uh... <laughs> Alderaan blown up. <laughs> yeah, um, sweet. Okay, it. so what? Just just fill me in. Are we are we talking about like the planet Alderaan before it was blown up, or literally like the asteroid field of Alderaan? Like because I think uh, the joke was the asteroid field. Um. All right. Okay. So the Alderaan asteroid field. Let, let's go with that. The Alderaan asteroid field. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, this be all good. right. Let's so, yeah, just take some time to. Oh, I just noticed a problem. Uh, Genesis is dead by the time Alderaan's blown up. No, no, it's okay. That doesn't matter. It's fine. Um, oh, all yeah. right. So right. no, no, no. Like I've just looked it up. Like you know, it's 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 actually given a name. It's called the graveyard. Um, uh, it's yeah. A, it's a huge assortment of asteroids. Uh, created by um, the once mighty planet of Alderaan before it got blown up. So, all right, let's, let, let's do it. Um, so, Michael, uh, I, I will... Actually, no, you went first last time, didn't you? I did. Yes, okay. So, um, Dengar. Dengar, Dengar, Dengar. First of all, Dengar is a very well-known and renowned bounty hunter. He's been around since the Clone Wars and is still prevalent at the time of Empire Strikes Back. So he, so he is clearly someone who knows his way around uh, the galaxy and is able to survive. Because um, someone like Dengar, he would be, well, for lack of a better word, pretty um, uh, loathed by people who's ever dealt with in the past. Because uh, Dengar, while being a bounty hunter, can be, um, uh, you know a little bit uh, annoying to other people because of how uh, sometimes optimistic he can be. Because obviously he's sometimes like, he's got that sort of like sarcastic uh, um, determination to himself, which I always liked about Dengar. Um, But that's another story. I feel like that is why, like, you know, he is um, hated around the galaxy, but uh, it would also make it give him the drive to um, uh, succeed anytime he's given a task to do. Um, Dengar also has a very cool ship. It's called the Punishing One. And uh, that's why he would be be able to uh, very easily navigate an asteroid field like the one in um like the one we'd be faced with in 
in uh, the Alderaan graveyard. Now, Jin Erso, uh, I, I really like Jin Erso, and she's obviously had some uh, fighting experience. Um, but in terms of uh, piloting, which is basically what this will be because of the fact that we're in a inter uh, a um a outer space graveyard, I feel like that Dengar is going to have the upper hand. So um, that is that's my opening. All right. So you're saying you're mentioning about Dengar. Uh, and how he's a he's veteran. He's been around since the Clone Wars, or whatever. Well, by the time that he is a veteran, that we see him in uh, Empire Strikes Back, he's had battle damage. He has had had to have like augmentations and cybernetic repairs to like keep him like at, in a bounty hunter state. So you say he's a he's a veteran. Well, he's not in his prime anymore. He is getting to be an older bounty hunter. Whereas Jin Erso, she is in her prime. She is a soldier. She's been on this run since she was like 12 or, or however old she was when she was under the care of Saw Gerrera. And that's the thing. She trained under Saw Gerrera, well, a renowned um, guerrilla fighting veteran and soldier. So she clearly knows her way around a blaster and a baton, as we see, when she takes out a bunch of stormtroopers. Also, you mentioned we're in space, we're in, in the uh, graveyard of Alderaan. Um, I believe this would actually be a close, close battle, because if there's the thing we see uh, Jyn Erso in, there's two main ships we see, which is one, the U-Wing dropship, and two, the Imperial uh, carrier or whatever. Um, Yes, they're not too good in terms of space combat, but they're both like ships for transport. So I believe that she would attempt to dock into the, uh, the Punishing One and go on board to be able to take out Dengar in close combat, which is her specialty. And frankly, I just don't see her losing to a person who wears toilet paper around his head. It just doesn't make any sense, because Jin Erso has this experience. She's, oh, she's that's fantastic. This is a rebellion, right? She rebels. It's It's... <laughs> It's what she does. Well done. Uh, well done, Michael. She's an ex-convict, an ex-prisoner, so she knows her way around tough situations. She even has kind of a semi-force-sensitive uh, background, with her mother being a force-sensitive, at least, at least Jedi person. And so she has that slight gu overall guiding force behind her, uh, and she's willing to commit to her ideals. So... I think Genoso is just a much better combatant in every way that an old man Dengar would just not be able to compete. All right, all right, fair enough. Um, uh, uh, retorting that, I would say that, like you said, yes, Dengar has had many cybernetic enhancements because he is getting older, and that means that he needs to be able to uh, repair himself. I think that is not only a... Uh, it'll it'll make him better, because if there's anything we were talking about with Lobot, it's that cybernetic enhancements can be, uh, can, can be useful, but it also shows, again, his drive to stay alive. Like, you know, regardless of how uh, his body started to wither away, he needed to uh, uh, stay alive because he just needs that he has that determination and that sort of determination is important in a fight like this even in Rise of Skywalker Dengar is in Rise of Skywalker he's definitely he is? Uh, he's 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 deformed and stuff like that but that's because he was so uh, assured on staying alive that he felt the need Hang on, to he's completely... in Rise of Skywalker we'll get into that later don't worry um it's I couldn't believe it either but anyway um he has gotten to the point where he has, uh, like, you know, gi given up his physical uh, uh, human body to stay alive. Uh, and I can see your face right now. You are shocked. Uh, I'm sure you can't even. But anyway, and you're looking it up right now and you're going to get shocked in a couple seconds. But anyway. Wait, I think... what? Yeah. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure what you're looking at right now, but the person An who image. you're looking at 
Uh, the person who you're looking at, yes, that's Dengar. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, it shows his drive to stay alive. That's why he's going to win. And the fact that he is able to, like you said, um, uh, like I said, sorry, uh, uh, pilot his way through the graveyard. He's 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 had experience in these sort of in, uh, environments before, which is why I think he's going to have the upper hand of Genoso. Yes, Genoso is a very skilled fighter and she trained in um, Sogorero's guardroom. But uh, if you were to look at Rogue One as a reference, more often than not, she has uh, people around her helping her, like Cassian Andor and 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 Chirrut and and Baze Malbus. And any time that she's by herself, she is trying to escape, like 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 somewhere in Scarif. So I feel like if you were to put her head uh, head on against a veteran bounty hunter, uh, she's just not going to be able to um, do as well as we saw her do in a in an environment in the environments like we saw her in in Rogue One. So that's. That's uh, my rebuttal in terms of what Genoso is going to bring to the table. I am now terrified by what Dengar looks like in Rise of Skywalker, but that's yeah, okay. Yeah, I know. We'll keep fighting. I now I wish I unsaw that, but we're okay. We'll go. We yeah. can endure. Um. Yeah. So strong arguments, but the thing is, uh, you talked about cybernetic enhancements. Clearly, we see that yes. Dengar has these cybernetic enhancements, but it's not due to like building him up. He's just barely trying to stay alive. He's just trying to live right. as long as he can. And I think his fear of death would be a serious um, weakness that that Genoso would be able to exploit. Genoso clearly doesn't fear her death in in the grand scheme of things because she's willing to sacrifice herself for the rebellion, which she ends up committing to, and her and her her drive for that. Rebellions are built on hope, after all. And so, I think if there was a death, like a, a fight to the death type fight with Dengar versus Jin, I think Dengar would be overcome with like fear and 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 would be weakened by this as fear of death that Jin Nurse would be able to exploit. And and while yes, Dengar is a skilled bounty hunter, he's 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 a skilled bounty hunter at taking out at, at bounties on like. On people at the galaxy, he's used to traveling and all that, but he's not—he's not a one-on-one -on -one melee combatant. Because we see him be a destroy, we see him lose in a melee battles and stuff in his prime in the, in episode bounty on the train on to the, the damn ninjas. train on the damn train <laughs> to the ninjas who beat who who beat him in combat in in unarmed combat. And I believe Jin Erso, having been trained by Saw Gerrera, would be just as skilled a melee combatant as those ninjas would be, fighting Dengar when he's a lot slower, when he's a lot bulkier, in, when he's after the cybernetic enhancements. Jin would easily be able to to overpower him in this melee combat, and all she needs is, is a sim, is a is a well a well placed strike in between his eyes. Doesn't matter what his cybernetic enhancements are going to do. He's, he's just, he's going to go down. So that's my rebuttal. Okay. All right. Well, then I'll get into my, I'll get into my uh, finishing uh, now. I agree that if there's anything that Genoso uh, is the poster girl for, it's hope. Uh, so I, I, I can definitely agree that she's not going to give up. But um, I would say that regardless of how much he has shown that he can uh, sometimes be defeated, uh, he has a really strong drive to win. Um, he, he, uh, Dengar does, and he's obviously a, a very skilled combatant. He has his blasters, um, and he's had a lot of experience 
it's dealing with sort of like what we were talking about with Bosk before because like you know he has dealt with Bosk directly and if anything those two have gotten used to uh, uh, fighting dirty I suppose you would say um, so like you said I feel like Jyn Erso regardless of how you see her at the start of Rogue One she uh, her moral compass really starts to come out so I feel like Dengar is just going to be able to um, uh, basically uh, go further than Jyn Erso is going to be willing to I think um, if, if, if you see what I mean and again I think we like you know we should just yeah. bring we should just bring the environment uh, that we're uh, fighting in back into it um, you know the, the, the graveyard you know the, the graveyard of Alderaan we're in deep dark space with uh, the est- with asteroids everywhere like I, I no doubt Dengar has seen these sorts of environments before obviously there's a lot of untapped um, you know uh, time in Genoso's life so we can't really know if she's been through any asteroid fields herself but um, yeah right. I feel like that um, just based on how long he's been around his drive to win and his ability to at the end of the day fight dirty regardless of his sort of compassionate nature I would say and his ability to sort of like sweet talk people um I would say that J- that uh Dengar uh in the combination of those plus his cool ship would um would come out victorious hmm yeah okay my final final sentence uh as I said rebellions are built on hope uh this is a rebellion I rebel <laughs> uh Jin Erso has experience in combat through training with Saw Gerrera, through fighting in the Rebellion, through fighting Stormtroopers her, pretty much her whole life, um, and being rough and tough with the underground uh, and the, the criminals. And she, she fights the person in her own cell, I think, in the, in the Rogue One. Uh, also, that is true, yeah. you say she doesn't have experience in asteroids. She's been all around the galaxy, my dude. Like, she's been avoiding both the Empire, Saw <laughs> Gerrera, the Rebellion. She, she knows how to keep quiet and, like, and get around. And so... Uh, I think she would have experienced she in her ships. She would either either U-wing gunship or the Imperial ship. She would easily be like, yes, she's not an incredible pilot, but she'd be able to pilot well enough to be able to get in close and and dock with the 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 punishing one. I think so. And in a melee combat, I don't, I just don't see a situation where Dango would be able to come out on top, considering in his older age with his cybernetic enhancements, he's just a lot slower. And Jin Erso is a very skilled melee combatant and. Uh, a battle would just not go well with between them uh, for Denga. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, that's that's that fight wrapped up. I think this was a very uh, out of all the ones we've had, yeah, probably the most probably even, the closest. Probably the most evenly matched of yes. them. Um, but I would. I'm say, mixed. I do not know. Uh, but uh, honestly, I would say based on um, some of the stuff that you brought up about her um, being a fighter since she was since she was very very young, and her just being younger in general than Dengar and being able to um, navigate different areas and all that stuff, especially the fact that you said that like you know she's not going to give up because of the whole hope thing. Bellies <laughs> <laughs> are built on hope. Uh, I yep. feel like there were some moments where Dengar uh, would certainly have the upper hand, mm. but in terms of, like you said, uh, melee combat and just overall fighting still, yeah. fi- fighting skill, I think uh, Jin would win. I-, I believe you've given yeah. the better argument here, Michael. I, I, am, think... I have no doubt in conceding <laughs> that, so yes. I think if Dengar is able to take out Jin Erso's ship before they can, she can get in close, then he would win. But if, if he's able to get in there, then I feel like it's probably on her. So yes, yeah. Is that one goes to Genoso? That one goes to Genoso, and uh, very good. Yes, and uh, I think we'll round it up around. That brings there. us to the end of the episode. Thank yes, you everyone because, for listening. Yeah, uh, I think that well, those were a lot of fights, and they sort of started to run. I think we're our, we've got a we've got a bit of a runtime heading for us today, Michael. But uh, it was it was oh, all yeah. right. It's okay, but it was fun. Um, we'll be all right. 
yeah, we'll be we'll be totally fine. Uh, so yeah, that <laughs> it's is also fun here. It is. It is a lot of fun. So uh, that is our episode for today, guys. I hope you guys have really enjoyed uh, the Thank news. Thank you, listeners, for indulging our enjoyment of, of Battle Royales. Yes, the, the news uh, reports that we had, plus this really cool uh, uh, game that we've been able to play with a Who Would Win Star Wars edition. That was a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, there you go. I hope you guys have really enjoyed listening. Um, this this episode of the podcast, like you said, should be available at on uh, the Sunday, 12 p.m. AEST, and the YouTube version will be available the very next day on the Monday at the same time, 24 hours later. And uh, mm. in terms of where you guys can find us, you guys can find us on many different podcast platforms, uh, including but not limited to oh, actually no they are limited to this that's just a cool thing to say <laughs> uh, uh, Apple Podcasts Google Spotify Anchor Breaker Overcast Pocket Casts and Radio Public so you can listen to us podcasting <laughs> you can listen to us on any of those platforms they are all available in the links in that all um, of the links to those platforms are available in the description of this of this podcast episode we are also available on YouTube like we were just talking about and uh, other than that our social media is also uh, alive and active on both Instagram and Facebook as well as Twitter so make sure to uh, follow us there to stay uh, up to date as to what we'll be doing as well as any cool thumbnails that we could that we put out and um, any polls that we might put out which is definitely what we'll be doing in this instance because we've had some like you know who would win sort of scenarios that we'll be excited to get your opinion on other than that make sure to uh, rate comment and review uh, this episode tell us what you think tell us what you want uh, more of maybe because we'd love to hear what you guys think as well as making sure to subscribe we'd also really appreciate that Um, yes the time thanks everyone for sticking with us during the uh, the uh, the COVID thing as well because we have a couple of technical difficulties every so often but it's been it's been it's been good to know that I've, we've been able to keep this going even with uh, everything going on with COVID, and that's been fun. Yeah, definitely, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, and that basically wraps that. Oh, again, the uh, the time codes for these all the all the our three discussions today will be available in the uh, in the description below. And that wraps up everything else. Michael, you got anything else to say before we sign off? Uh, yeah, <laughs> thank you for indulging our passion of just uh, talking about Star Wars for yeah. two hours or whatever it is. It's been a lot of fun, and uh. Hope you'll join us next time when yeah. we do another Star Warsy thing. Yeah, next time, uh, I don't know, maybe we'll get into the next chapter of our saga retrospective with uh, episode Definitely. four, A New Hope. That should be a lot of fun. Um, as well as anything else Star Wars related that throws our way, uh, that, that is thrown our way, we will be here to receive it and talk about it on this podcast because we always love doing that. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. This has been Telling, Telling the, the Odds. odds.